Thanks, bro. <clears throat> Again, it's a, it's a privilege to be back. I really, I really miss our church. I really miss our people. And thank, again, Pastor Hunter for the opportunity to stand behind this pulpit and preach. So let's turn our Bibles tonight. And it's going to be a little bit of a different service, but I'll try to be brief. You'll see what the Lord does. In Genesis chapter 12, let's turn to Genesis chapter 12 tonight. And we begin reading in the first verses of Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and out of thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Verse 2 of Genesis chapter 12. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. In verse 4, so Abraham departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Abram took, his, uh, took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and, it, and into the land of Canaan they came. And so tonight the, the sermon is titled simply the song that we sang previously. Standing on the promises. Standing on the promises. And so let's pray, ask God to bless this time. Father, again, we've read these scriptures and we understand the, the beautiful promise you provided to Abram. And Lord, that, that promise is not fully fulfilled yet, but you have fulfilled many of it. And so tonight as we, again, delve into the scriptures just a little bit, I pray, Lord, that you encourage us, you rebuke us if we needs be, but then you help us, Lord, to be better Christians as we leave than before as we came. So again, thank you for the opportunity, Father God. I ask that you give me clarity of thought, that your name will be glorified, Lord, after the sermon. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. It's interesting that sometimes um, we, we base our decisions in life and our actions on what other people say. It's, it's sort of one of those things that, um, that always boggles my mind every time um, Keza will understand this and many of the people that used to work uh, here at church when you get a phone call in some, some strange time, like at 9 o'clock, straight on the dot. 9 o'clock, someone will call you and, and they'll say, you know, I have a, the best deal of printing cartridges. And so if you've gone through many or, or hundreds of different calls, the same calls that, that, that will try to, try to cause you to, to sign up to this particular item or particular um, service over the phone, it, it's, it's really easy for you to say, no, that's, that's rubbish. That's things that I don't need. Or if you're not really familiar with it, you start listening to what they're saying and how they can save you three cents on every print. 
And so what happens is, is that you start believing certain things depending on what people say. And the way you would respond to a telemarketer is completely different to, let's say, your doctor. And if your doctor came to you and said, you know what, um, EJ, I have noticed some spikes in different parts of, of your immune system. There's some things there that are not right and we checked your blood. Um, you need to start doing this. You need to start taking vitamin D. You need to start doing all these different things. You need to start exercising. And the way you would react to the doctor would be different to the way you'd react to someone you have no clue whether they're in the country or overseas talking to you on the phone. Am I correct? But many times, as us as Christians, we, we base what we do on where we stand. And this is where, what's so beautiful, beautiful about this story in the, in the book of Genesis is that you have a man named Abram. And it's interesting that God personalizes his conversation with Abram. And it's not just here, but we'll find that as, as we continue on with the service, that Abraham personally experienced the reality of God. Abraham personally experienced the reality of God. We live in a world of uncertainty, yet we have someone that is certain. We live in a world that can shift very quickly. And I, I heard this morning there was a magnitude earthquake close to Vanuatu, and I was just thinking about all those people that are already displaced because of different issues or different circumstances that happened in the past. They will, might need to be displaced again. And things that are not sure of, yet we have something that is sure. And the beautiful thing tonight, church, is that whether you're here in Sydney or whether you're over there in Perth, we're all trying to faithfully serve God. We're reading the same book, God's book. And what encouraged us and my family as we went with Mr. Batilla and we got to go to different churches in Perth, are there are fervent Christians that love God, that desire for Perth to get saved, that desire souls to be saved in Perth. And that encouraged me. And yes, some of them would meet in a whole, a quarter of our size. You should have seen their faces, though. When Mr. Patilla said, 13 souls got saved, and now we have a church starting. You should have seen their faces. Their eyes were so big. They are so excited. 13 souls got saved. And I heard one of the ladies turn around and said, you know what, we, ha- we saw one saved in the last three years. Man, there, there is sure a, a, a big God over there in Argentina. It's sure ripe to harvest over there in Argentina. And what we need to remind them and tell them is that, hey, the God that they serve in Argentina that see 13 people get saved in one sitting is the same God that saved that individual three years ago And now he's baptized and faithfully coming to church. You have to understand, church, that God doesn't work the same way everywhere, but he still works the same way. Amen? And what we need to understand is that Abram had a personal experience with God. Had a personal experience with God. I'm not sure about you tonight, but what I found in my life is that it's great to see God working in other people. It's great to see God working in different men in the church and seeing God raised them up in a certain manner. But do you know what I pray for? I pray to God that 
that he'll use me. I pray to God that it will become personal to me. And it's no longer a sermon for my wife. It's no longer a sermon for that, that backslidden brother that sits in the back. No, no, it's for me. And it's a personal conversation. And here you have Abraham, Abraham, in a land that doesn't worship God, understand that. Be called of God and say, hey, you need to come out of that place. You know what's interesting? God doesn't give him a location. He said, get out, come, and then I'll show you a land. But first of all, it's personal. And so the first point, I guess, for all of us to understand tonight, and I, I, I know everyone here faithfully loves the Lord, wants to see God grow in your life. But you need to maintain a personal walk with your God. See, coming to church doesn't cut it anymore. Doesn't. I'm sorry. That, that may work for a Sunday school kid that doesn't know anything else about the Lord Jesus. But every time that you come to church, you're getting fed, right? Amen? Praise the Lord. But that doesn't cut it. You need to have your personal walk with God. You need to, you need to wake up in the morning and desire to, to see God, to understand God, to, to ask God, God, can you be real in my life today? Give me an opportunity to share the gospel. Give me an opportunity to see your power happening in my life because we talk a lot about it on Saturdays, on Sundays, and on Wednesdays, but he wants to get to know you every day. Does that make sense? And the, the, the thing that we struggle with as Christians and believers is not the fact that we have to come to church on Sunday. It's not the fact that we have to come to church on Wednesday. It's the fact that we have to walk with God every single day. Because we expect God to do miraculous things like he does in youth camps and in TNS and in great services and great men of God come up and preach and that's awesome. It's a great thing. But God desires a personal walk with us. So don't limit him to a, Saturday, uh, to a Sunday or Wednesday. Don't limit him to that favorite preacher of yours. Every time when you open up the Bible, ask God, God, please teach me. Because you are a personal God. You know me by name. He says, and the Lord God spoke to Abraham. And so there was a personal interaction with God. There was a personal interaction with God. He experienced the reality of God. You see, in, in the verses 1 to 3, he pinpoints certain aspects of the promise. And firstly, he talks about the land, the promise of a land. Land of Canaan. God promised a land where he'll show Abraham that was the land of Canaan. Secondly, what he does is he promises a seed. He promises a seed. And God will make for him a great nation. Even though at the time of this promise, Abraham had no kids. Have you ever thought the reason why um, when, when, when Abraham, and, and I'm assuming knowledge here, and I'm sure you guys have it, when, when Abraham went to Egypt because of the famine, he went, back, he went to Egypt, and God told him not to go, but he went anyways because there was a famine in Canaan land. And Pharaoh wanted his wife. Do you remember when Abraham said, he said, oh, Sarai, she's, she's my sister, right? He says that. And so Pharaoh takes her in. And then God rebukes Pharaoh. 
Have you, have you ever thought, like, why, why, how did he not expect them to be married and just believe that they were sisters and brothers and sisters? Simply this. is because if you're married for that long, usually there's kids. But her womb was closed, remember? So there was no kids. So the assumption is that, well, she doesn't have any children, so there must be brothers and sisters. But when God promised Abraham this, she didn't have any kids. And so when he said to her, I'm going to promise you a seed, and if you look and if you study through the book of Genesis, you notice that word seed everywhere. It even starts in, in, in uh, Genesis chapter 3 where, where, um, the, where, where God promises that the seed, the seed will crush the serpent's head. You understand that in the beginning of the book of Genesis, and that seed is going to come from who? Abraham. And through his lineage. And so there's a seed that comes through, and, that, that, and he's, he says here, and God will make for him a great nation, and even though at the time Abraham was, um, had no son. And lastly, simply this, there was, a, there was a promise of the land, there was a promise of a seed, but there's also a promise of a blessing. And this is where it's interesting. Because in the last phrase of Genesis 12, verse 3, it states this, And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Do you know tonight you're blessed because of this man? Do you know that, that this prophecy basically talked about Jesus Christ and your, your inheritance and your blessing? Is because a man was faithful previously. Isn't that great? You know what really encourages me? Is that even though we don't follow men, we can see men of God that serve God, that love Him. And you say, you know what, they served Him. They served God in the right way. And now this church was established. Being in Perth, we had the opportunity to sit down with a lot of the pastors. They would say something like this to me, you know. When I came to the church, I was just a bus kid. And I was like, when was this? About 25 years ago. And time and time again, more and more I understand is that what you're doing and what we're doing as a church now will not just affect our generation, but the generations that will come and follow us. And the things that are being said now and the opportunities that are given now will not only affect this time, but the future time. And maybe one day, 10, 15, 20 years later down the track, when our children grow up and they're standing behind this pulpit and they're preaching, thus saith the Lord, maybe you'll be encouraged of the fact. Why? Because God made a promise. He doesn't go back on his promises. Amen? And if you're faithful, you're faithful serving the Lord. God will bless you. And I know that doesn't sound right these days. Because, oh, that's prosperity gospel. No, no, that's Bible. And he didn't say that he will bless you with a better car or a better house. No, he will bless your life. And it's not just materialistic gain, my friend. You know, there's something better than you, your children being successful in, in, in whatever field they choose to be in. Something better. Is that they get saved. And then their children get saved. And then their children get saved. Isn't that beautiful?
That's my prayer. He said, my kids are only four and under at the moment. My prayer is that they get, they get saved young. And that when they grow up and then they get married to some saved man, same saved woman, that their children will be saved. And that their children will be saved. Why? Because the, the, the promise of faithfulness doesn't stop with you. It will continue to be faithful. Abraham experienced the reality of God. But Abraham believed the fulfillment of the, pro- the promise. Abraham believed the fulfillment of the promise. In verse 4, said this, So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was how old? Seventy-five years. Seventy-five years old. Took everything that he had, all his possessions, his whole household, and said, God is calling us to a different place. So we will go. Church, we need to understand that God is not just limiting the children, or limited to just children to do ministry. God is not just limiting to just the young adults to, to go out and tell people about Jesus Christ and for churches to get started. It's not just limited to those men. But I believe and I truly believe that God will have opportunity for for adults, for men that have children, to be able to be called of God and to be sent out from our church. I truly believe that. Why? Because age does not matter with God. Because we think think in our minds sometimes that, oh, he's going to be, he's 55 now and he's going to go to the mission field and he's going to be, 50, 60, how many years is he going to have? Five years, six years, seven years? But in that time frame of five, six, seven years, you don't know the impact that they would have on an individual that's 18 18 years old or or 20 years old. And then what happens is he replicates his life. That 65-year-old man will replicate his life to an 18-year-old man. And that young man will get up to preach one day and be called of God to do something great for him. So God doesn't just limit to 25-year-olds or to 21-year-olds to serve God. And this is where it gets scary. Why? Because maybe God wants you to go. And maybe God wants you to do something for him. And maybe it's not just, it's not just for your son or just for your daughter. Maybe it's for you. And God said, hey, you've gone this far, 75 years. It's time for you to go. It's time for you to step out in faith. And I'm not trying to kick people out of the church. What I'm trying to say is don't limit God to just the youngins. Does that make sense? But ask God, God, what is it you want me to do? So Abraham had firstly experienced the reality of God himself. Secondly, Abraham believed the fulfillment of the promise. In Romans 4, let's turn there. Romans 4 and verse 1, we'll read this tonight. It says this, What shall we say then, that Abraham our father, 
as pertaining to the flesh hath found. Verse 2. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath wherefore to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. God promised, so I will believe in God. And therefore my actions will be based on what God promised me. Standing on the promise. And as we endeavor to study the authenticity of our action in this month, because that's, that's what the theme is for this whole month, is our action, right? Being authentic in what we do. The basis of what we do is what we believe. And what you believe should be based on Scripture and on God's promises, my friend. So there was a personal walk. There was a realization of the promise. But thirdly, thirdly, let's turn to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. Here in this chapter, what you find in the previous chapter is simply this, is that um, Abram has a battle with four kings and he prevails and he, he, he becomes victorious and basically he says to one of the kings, no, I'm not going to get any tribute from you. I don't want to be your debtor. I don't want to be part of you. So he wanted to be sanctified. I want to be separated from the people of the land. And here we have in, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, fear not, Abraham. You know this not church? Fear not, Abram. God knows him. God known him by name. God understood what he was going through. Why? Because he wouldn't have said fear not if Abram wasn't fearing. He says here, fear not, Abram, in a vision. Uh, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what would thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is Eliezer the, uh, of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is not mine heir. Yet one, one born in my house is mine heir. Verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And you notice that there was a promise given many years before that I will give you a seed. I will give you a great nation, Abram. Just step out. Step out in faith and go to a place that I'll show thee. And now you have this circumstance where Abram, it, it almost seems like he's thinking, it's been so long and, and yet I have no seed. And you have to understand that if, if your servant, back in these days, if your servant bore a son, you can claim that to be your seed. If you have no children, that will be your heir. And the point for us tonight is simply this. God does not work the same way as he does with others. Does that make sense? God will not work the same way all the time. That's a bit easier to understand. 
Yes, salvation is the same. Amen. Praise the Lord. But sometimes God will allow some people to walk for five years, whilst others will just take a step into it. Some people might have it, seems like it's a, it's a hard road, and every single stop that they take, that it seems like they're getting pummeled by spiritual warfare and, and, and things like that in their life, and yet another person can have an easy way and get to the same position. Why? Because God does not work the same way as everybody else. And here Abram was turning to God and said, everybody else, if they don't have any seed, then the servants, when they bear a child, then that becomes their heir. God, this is, the, this is my heir. You haven't given me a seed. And God had to remind Abram that no, the seed will come from you. The seed will be yours. And the, the assumption that God will fulfill it in the way that was common was merely an assumption. Remember that verse in Isaiah 55, verse 8? I'm sure many of us can understand it, can, can quote it. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways, my ways, saith the Lord. And we expect God to work this way. God has a different path for you to take. And if you're not careful, you're thinking, this is how it's going to happen. This is how it's going to work. And this is when I'm going to do it. And God says, no, I'm going to give you a shorter amount of time. The need is now. It's time for you to jump in in faith. But instead, we're planning our way. We're planning our path. And, and sometimes God doesn't take us the same direction as everybody else. Does that make sense? And the thought is, is that Abraham assumed that God will fulfill it in the way that was common, but God doesn't work the same way in everyone's life. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but water the earth, and maketh it bring forth bud, and it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. And that understanding again that God works differently sometimes. I'm not saying all the time. Again, regarding salvation, regarding sanctification, he's very particular. But church, don't be like Abram. Started questioning God, God, you didn't give me a seed, so it must be this way. God said no. In verse 4, Genesis chapter 15, verse 4, it says this. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. God reassured him, reassured that the promised seed will come from him. Okay. When someone makes a promise to you, depending on who it is, you sort of believe them. Is that fair? If the, if the person in the, in the car rental place says to you, the car is fine, and make sure you bring it back, and it's fine. And this happened to us in Perth fairly recently. 
I took the car, went for a drive, came back two weeks later, and he pointed out this big, big gash on, on the front of the car. I said, what's this? Do you know what I did? Before I left the uh, car hire place, you go around the car, you take pictures of the whole car. Doesn't matter if you see it or you don't see it. And to be quite honest with you, church, I didn't see it. But praise the Lord that Evelyn, because I was looking for things already. And I saw a dent, so I took a picture of the dent. I saw this, so I took a picture of that. But I didn't see this particular scratch. And it was rather big. But Evelyn saw it. And she texted me the picture. I said, okay. And so when I went to the guy, basically, he goes, where is this scratch from? I said, it was already on the car. He goes, let me see your paperwork. Open up the paperwork. It doesn't say that it was a scratch here. I said, have a look at this. I went back to the source. He looked at it and he says, oh, no worries. You're good to go. See you. Have a good flight back to Sydney. If you didn't have any basis on, 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 on what you're going to say, if you didn't have any proof of what, what you believe, why you believed it, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be like this. And they're going to pick you to pieces. Why? Because there's no evidence for you to live that certain way. And it's exactly the same with life. If you're not based on the word of God, if you're not standing on the promises of God, my friend, what you're going to start doing is you're going to be basing it on feeling. Because sometimes you want to come to church. And sometimes you want to do something great for God. But I'm going to be quite honest with you this, this evening, church, because we all have been there. There are times where we don't want to do anything for God. There are times that we don't want to read our Bible. There are times when you come to church and it seems like you're dragging your feet. Why? Because, see, what is, what's happened is that you've placed your trust on, on feeling and emotions and circumstances in your life rather than the sure foundations of Scripture. That's why you can stand on the solid rock. You can stand firm, no matter what's going on around. It says in the scriptures that we shouldn't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Is that us? If someone were to come up here and talk talk about how you're predestined, will you be able as an individual, I'm not saying your wife or anybody else, are you able to stand in the word of God and say, no, this is wrong? Can you do that? If we can't, then let's, let's figure it out. Let's grow together. Why? Because that is, that is very, very important for you to believe. Amen? Why? Because you're saved. Not because God chose you. Amen? You're not predestined. Why? Because how do you know if your daughter's predestined? How would you know if your son's predestined? You're just going to assume? No, no, he died for everyone. Amen. That's it, for all. All right. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever. Doesn't say just the election. But church, we need to know those things. Why? Because we don't need to be like this. All right? And what Abram had to be reminded of was that promise. If you study in the scriptures, what happens later on in Genesis 15, later on in that verse is that God commands Abram to do some things. Some things. He says, take a heifer. Take, take a goat. 
take a ram, take a, a turtle dove and a pigeon. You, you read later on in that chapter, Genesis chapter 15, uh, Genesis chapter 15 or 17. And basically what he says is that you, you cut them into two pieces and you lay them on the floor. And you know what? Back in those days, the custom of the cutting, cutting covenant was that both parties would go in together. And they'll walk side by side through, through these, these hewn animals. And it was a picture. It wasn't a fluffy picture about life. No, no. What it meant was that if I don't, if I don't keep my word, if I don't keep my covenant, may I be like these hewn, hewn animals, cut in half. And so when God promised Abraham back in, in, in the chapters previously, when he said, I'm going to bless you and bless your seed and bless those that bless you, he reiterates that blessing and that promise by having this cutting sacrifice. But Abraham doesn't go through the sacrifice. Let's, let's turn there. I want, I want you guys to understand this. It's really important. See, Abraham saw that the, the covenant was unconditional. In verse, um, Genesis chapter 15, verse 17. Genesis chapter 15, verse 17. That's straight after what, what I explained to you. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. Abraham didn't pass through the pieces do you know who passed through the pieces? God. Do you know what that signified to Abraham? It signified that the covenant was unconditional. It was a reminder of how serious God was to fulfilling the covenant with Abraham. But since God alone rectified it, rectified it Abraham could do nothing to nullify it. How does that impact me? You know, when you receive Jesus Christ, He didn't do anything. God did the work. God saved you. And the reminder tonight is simply this. Is that God reassured Abraham that the promised seed will come from him the same way God's reminding you that when you got saved, you remain saved. And you can't do anything to nullify your salvation. Amen. And if you know yourself as much as I know myself, is that, mate, if it was based on my works, there would be no way I'll be going to heaven. But because of Jesus, my friend, we can have this surety. We can have this promise that we can stand on. Quickly and lastly, simply this. Even though that God reassured him of the promised seed, time caused him. I didn't say sin. I didn't say wrongdoing. I said time. 
Time caused him to listen to the wrong voice. Time caused him to listen to the wrong voice. If you, again, study for the sake of time, I won't, we won't turn there, but in chapter 16, maybe you can read it in your own time. Ten years had passed since the, since the covenant was made. And Sarai didn't have, still didn't have a, a child. So she conjured up a plan to say, hey, hey, um, Abram, God promised us that we have a seed. And everybody else, in, in according to the Hadith and different parts of, uh, of, of, of some of the, the books of that day, basically it was what, what Sarai told Abraham to do, Abram to do, was quite legal, very legal. It was common. If the wife could not bear children, she would give her maiden. Do you remember Hagar? And 10 years later, instead of listening to God, he listened to the wrong person. And he, he had this, this relationship with Hagar. And Hagar brought forth a son named Ishmael. The God, um, what was his name? Ishmael, which, which meant God shall hear. But church, was Ishmael the promised seed? Yes or no? No. Ishmael wasn't the promised seed. That wasn't the, the fulfillment of the covenant. No, no, it wasn't. He just listened to the wrong person. And I want you guys to understand this and just see this with me, okay? God reveals himself again to Abraham. God reveals himself again to Abraham. His good intentions, made through the wrong means, didn't glorify God. Abraham was 86 years when Ishmael was born. While the relationship was culturally acceptable, in the sight of God, it was wrong. In the sight of God, it was wrong. And then God again. God again shows himself in chapter 17. Let's look there and we'll close up soon. And when Abram was 90 years old, uh, 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Genesis chapter 17, verse two. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. In verse 3, And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee that land wherein thou art, stranger, art a stranger and the land of Canaan 
for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Genesis 17, 17 is his response. And Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? Verse 18, And Abraham said unto God, O that Ishmael might live before thee. All that Ishmael would live before thee. And let's look at verse 25. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old. Now let's put it all together. God promises Abraham. Ten years later, he makes a mistake. He listens to the wrong person. After being again reminded and reminded and reminded that the promise is for him. And then 13 years go by. And Abraham still thinks that the promised seed was Ishmael. For 13 years, he thought, this is the one. This is the right way. This is the person that God will use to to bring my seed and and to, to make the promises. And then God reminds him and says, no, it's not Ishmael. And it's a, it's a, a scary thought for us as a church tonight is simply this. Is that sometimes we think that our sin will just pass. That no one will find out. And that you can live with it. And that it will be okay. And it will be fine. But what the Bible says is that what you will sow is what you're going to reap. And the mercy of God corrects Abraham changes his name, changes his wife's name, and says, no, you're going to have a seed, and you're going to call him who? Isaac. Church, understand that God's plan will continue. And throughout the book of Genesis, as you study it, and if you have the time, it's a beautiful book. But time and time again, I see the same issues that we can face too. If we're not careful, we can just live with it. And it's fine, and it becomes accustomed to us. But when God reveals that to you, He says, get rid of it, or reveals that to you, and that's not the right way, we need to listen. And that's what we should base our actions on, is the Word of God. Does that make sense? Hopefully that helped. Imagine that, 13 years, you think that that's the seed. It wasn't. There was another one coming. That was your own wisdom. That was your own thinking. I'm still going to use him, and, and God actually blesses Ishmael. If you read the, the scriptures, he, he blesses Ishmael and his lineage. But then they're always going to be a warring nation, right? But God can use that. And so let's learn from it, okay? Hopefully that helped you tonight. And our actions should be based on us standing on something. And what we should stand on is on the promises of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. Thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that as we endeavor to to grow and endeavor to apply your word and to see, Father, that um, 
that when you said that there will be an everlasting covenant with Abram and his people, um, you didn't lie. And so I pray, Father God, that you just, again, as a church, help us to grow, help us to see how, um, how by blessing the Israelites, you blessed us and you've blessed the Gentile nations too. So thank you, Lord, for your foreknowledge. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be part of it. And God, your mercy endureth forever. So today and tonight, Lord, as we go our separate ways, I pray that you protect us as we go home. Help us, Lord, to again um, come back safely uh, next appointed time. Thank you again for our pastor. I pray, Lord, for him. May you bless him. Help him to have a good, safe travel back home. And, and then, Father God, thank you, Lord, again for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church, you may be dismissed. Thank you again for coming tonight. Please just be in prayer for each other, and we'll see you on Sunday.